I thought you were going to say Vietnam. Ha ha. <laughs> you changed your intro. What do you mean I changed my intro? Because all it showed was the countdown, three, two, one, and then say go, and that was it. That's right. So you changed your intro. No, I just didn't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. I got to mute you, too. There you go. Oh, were you feeding back? Well, because I had YouTube open. Okay. Notifications out that you went live. Okay, thank you. I already got the it. You got the that? Yeah. Okay. Let me make sure. I have no chat line on restream. Hello, Cassie. Hi, Cassie. Is Restream not? Oh, come on now. Is Restream what? not not uh, doing it? Doing what? Putting the chat up there? Oh, no, it would help if I had it on. Never mind. No, it's showing chat. I just don't have a, a box to write chat on Restream side. Oh, thank you, Cassie, for sharing out the stream. I appreciate it. I got to share it myself. What's the face of book? Give me one second. I'm one. not awake this morning. Shut up. <laughs> there we go. I think we got it. I think. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. How you doing, Kathy? Now, my mic is in my line of sight. Like, hey, nothing is. It's Monday. <laughs> it's totally Monday. Lord. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Shadows of the Moon's live show slash podcast with a little bit of chaos. I'm your host, Shadows. He over there is chaos. That's me. I should say down there. Yeah, down below. Yeah. Yeah. Over there, you know, down there somewhere. He's over there. He's over there. So today is Monday, and of course, you know what that means. Paranormal and the unexplained. And as always, I would love to say thank you so much to my supporters. All of your donations go back into the show to buy materials, books, and so I can bring you the best show I can. Special thank you for all who have donated, and thank you so much for your generosity. And if you would like to support the show, the first thing you can do is sharing, liking, commenting. That is a huge help. Huge. Or you can head over to anchor.fm. Yeah, anchor.fm forward slash shadows of the moon one. And you can support monthly or make a donation or head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash shadows. And of course, all the links are on the show notes or at shadowsofthemoon.net. <coughs> As I choke on my own spit. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone is doing well. So let's go ahead and get into what you're here for. And that's for the stories and the encounters, because you sure the hell don't want to see our faces. 
Hey, Smoking Joe. <laughs> hey, Smoking Joe. How you doing, hon? Hope all is well. Today we are talking about a real ghostwriter. And then after that, maybe some Mandela effects or, of course, some stories of encounters with spirits and other beings. I think I got a couple from the Black Eyed Children. Eddie's not going to be here the full show. No, I'll be here for most of it, though. Yeah, most of it. But other than that, shall we get started? You ready to hear the story? I found this so interesting. I was, man, when I first heard about it, I was just like, (coughs) that is wild. So let's go ahead and get started. It's about how books got written by a ghost. So this happened back in the early 20th century. And they didn't have it great back then. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, death in the 1900s came quickly. The average span, lifespan was 49. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right? (laughs) And the thing with it is, hey, Sophie... Hello, Sophie. Welcome, welcome. So, you know, obviously life wasn't like it is today. I mean, you could die from childbirth back then, the war. I mean, obviously you can die from war today, but you know what I mean. Die from childbirth today, too. Right, and disease. It wasn't like that they could uh, take you to the hospital and just, you know, like it is today. It was hard back then. So, when spiritualism came into play, it gave people a promise that they could contact the dead. And many of them leapt at the chance because they missed their loved ones, right? And if mind readers and fortune tellers and mystics can help ease that pain, they were all for it. One of these people was a middle-aged woman from St. Louis named Emily Hutchins. Now, Spiritualism um, was more of an interest for Emily. By day, she was a writer and also a close friend to a girl named Pearl. Now, they would usually hang out in Pearl's parlor, you know, having girls' night, gossiping, talking about an uh, article Emily was working on, while their husbands were in the next room playing poker. So, in the fall of 1912, Pearl's father dies. And, of course, Pearl's devastated by this. So, Emily decided she would bring in something that maybe would ease her pain. She brought Pearl an Ouija board. Now, I I know everybody knows usually what an Ouija board is. But if you don't know, it's a board that's made up letters and numbers. It usually has yes and no and goodbye. And you play it by having a wooden piece on top called the planchette. And the rules are that you place your fingers on the planchette and it'll spell out different messages, right? Lightly. Put them on lightly. Yes, put them on lightly. (laughs) (laughs) So, on July 8th, 1913... Let me say that again, 1913, because I felt that was a little nasally. Sorry, guys. (laughs) They tried it again. They tried it. And when Emily and Pearl 
perch the Ouija board between their knees and put their fingers on it. Nothing really, really happened. Nothing to write about anyway. So they tried it again. And then all of a sudden it started moving quickly. And started spitting out this message. It said, many moons ago I lived. Patience Worth is my name. Well, of course, Emily and Pearl are like, what the hell is going on? They've never received messages even close to it being this clear. And of course, Emily is thrilled. Pearl is excited. (laughs) So they start asking patients more questions. Like, where's your home? And she said, across the sea. Now, remember, they're in St. Louis, Missouri, right? So, Europe, most likely. Um, When it came to asking her most solid questions, like city or country, she gave more complicated answers. And she was like, let's not dwell on the past. She said, yesterday is dead. Let my mind rest to the past. Now, Pearl and Emily are looking at each other like, is this really happening? (laughs) You know, they're sitting here. Are they really talking to a ghost? So over the next few weeks, Pearl and Emily sit down with the board as often as they could. And I remember that feeling. The first time I played in the Ouija board and we got a message, hey, Ghost Rider. I I wanted to play it more and more and more. How you doing, Ghost Rider? Never forget that. Never forget that. So they wanted to, you know, they sit down and play as often as they can, contacting patients, and they can recognize it's her because she spells out things in this distinct, old-fashioned way of talking, like 17th century England. (laughs) I heard that. That was very weird sounding in my headphones. (laughs) I was trying to keep it quiet. They also noticed that patient really doesn't want to talk to Emily. That's not very nice. And she's the real spiritualist. You know what I mean? But she just mainly wants to talk to Pearl. And whenever Pearl sets in on the Ouija board session, the planchette just starts spilling out messages from patients. And as time goes on, Pearl doesn't even feel her fingers move. She sees the words and pictures played out in her mind as if she was watching a movie. And it's over over time, it's clear that Patience has a special connection with Pearl. Like Emily can sit at the board or anyone else for that matter. But Pearl has to be there. And when people get world of this, they get excited and they come calling. And her husband just welcomes them in. And they're as shocked and excited as anyone else. I got to turn my heater off. Okay. And they all liked um, patients. And patients liked having visitors. She would greet the guests as they come in. They would. She would even banter with them, sometimes say cheeky remarks. For example, like when a local doctor came to visit, patients belted out a quote. Yonder have much under a skull cap that he warded not. 
So basically, in other words, she says he has a lot going in his head, but he's not saying it out loud. Right? And so when he does speak, she says, see, he spoke things that was under his skull cap. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, neighbors aren't just here to get old-timey banner. They want to know more about this. They want to know more about patients. So they question her. You know? They want to know her backstory. And she gives it to them a little bit. She claims that she was born in 17th century and that she initially lived in England but traveled to America later in life and she was eventually buried in Nantucket, Massachusetts. She also indicated that she had long red red hair and never married. And at even one point, she gave a detailed description of a church she attended back in England. She talked about how it looked, it had little windows and how the sound like verberated off the walls. She even said that the feelings of the church was aloof, that it had, quote, chilling godliness about it when she sat there. But she said, heaven seemed so far away. So the way she spoke and described things, like, they could really tell that she was, like, from the 17th century. Well, she said that's where she was from. Right, but it was just, you know. It got the same feel to it now. Yeah, not only are they hearing it, they're feeling it. Right. Like I said, it's hard for her. She's very reluctant to talk about her past, which means it's hard to get cold, hard facts or anything to verify. Did she even exist? She doesn't want to talk about the future or afterlife either. So there's no actual proof this is supernatural, right? Like it could be through Pearl, we don't know. But one thing that is consistent is that 17th century dialect. And now Pearl's is just a common housewife. So it's not like she had a lot of study or anything like that. You know, when when uh, patients talks, she even throws in some weird language that none of them, the current guests, understand. They have to go look it up in a dictionary. Like I said, Pearl's just a housewife. She's not particularly well-educated or had any schooling on 17th century. Her main academic interest has always been in music. And it's not like she was a reader of 17th century novels. And as far as Pearl's friends, they believe they believe this. They don't think she could have pulled off an act like this, especially how Patience basically goes to chatting, or from chatting, to dictating poetry. So after a few months of making her first appearance, Patience worse, ghost, she starts uh, dictating poetry, like I said. She, she does little fragments like these. Quote, a blight bud might hold a sweeter message 
than the loveliest flower for God that kissed her wound heart and left a promise. Sweet but simple, right? True. Right, Sophie. Yeah, Sophie <laughs> says to make this up would take a hell of a lot of effort. Exactly. Maybe not a lot of effort, but a dancer one hell of an imagination. Right. Hey, Clint. Hey, Clint. Patience seems to get more confident in her poems, so they get longer. And they start coming faster. And the neighbors, they love coming to, to watch her in action. And they are amazed watching her dictating some of these poems. And after this, post, Pearl mostly stops using the Ouija board to capture all these works. She claims she doesn't need it anymore. And supposedly, Patience's messages come through to her so efficiently and natural that they go straight to her head. And whatever happens, Pearl says she, or when it happens, Pearl says she's like, she feels a pressure in her head. She describes it like feeling like a child with a magic book, a magic picture book. And all she has to do is watch the pages open. Like if stars are mentioned, she sees the sky in this book. If heights or wide spaces are mentioned, she gets positively frightened because she's scared of heights, but she kind of sees space. Hey, Jesse James, how are you? Hello, Monster Radio. Morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you as well, Monster Radio. That's true. Monday isn't even happy. It's Monday. <laughs> That's true. I like that. <laughs> there ain't nothing that wrong with Mondays. <laughs> Except for when you got to go to work at noon. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, this all sounds crazy, right? Now, remember, Pearl isn't even the spiritualist. Emily was. So, to her, this isn't scary. She's baffled by this as well. She can't understand, like, why the hell did somebody choose me as a medium? You know what I mean? <laughs> so in 1914, that's the year my father was born. Um, this is about a year after the conversation had started. She wanted to consult an expert about what's happening to her. So she finds this guy named Morton Prince. Now, Prince is said to be an expert in abnormal psychology and neurology, but he's making big waves in America by helping establish the cycle of psychologically as a scientific discipline. Is Monster Radio, is that, Ryan? Yes. Uh, that's who I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember what he changed his show name to. <laughs> So he's basically someone who is has an opposite belief to spiritualism. But Pearl wants his opinion. So she travels to Boston where Prince works and does a few sessions with patients in his house. So she goes and, you know, dictates some poetry and that. Well, this happens, um, while this happens, the rest of the world is just catching wind of patients' worth. The first bit of attention comes from the spiritualist community. You know, they're happy, of course, 
hey, you know, this is proof. This is a huge piece of evidence that spirit actually exists. The real commotion starts in 1916, three years after Patience makes her first contact with Pearl and Emily. I skipped a whole thing here. See, you got me so excited. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that kind of just doesn't make sense there. Right. So Prince, anyway, he this guy, you know, the scientist, he wants to try hypnotizing her. And at first she's like, okay. But after time went on, she was like, it scared her. She's scared if she goes under hypnosis, what if she loses patience in the process, right? True. So she turns down his offer, which is understandable. So again, we're back in 1916, three years after Patience has made contact with Pearl and Emily. A publisher, Harry Henry Holt, accompanied him and Prince. Right? Yes, it is Monday. My mouth is like, nope. Um, they write a book. And they reaccount they reaccount <coughs> patients in the book, and this book is full of snippets of her writings and conversation. And once it's published, the attention just isn't coming from the spiritualists anymore, but from the broader public. Even the literally, not literally, literary world. <laughs> Latches on, and the New York Times comments about patient worse messages. So, patients and Pearl can are both suddenly full on celebrities, right? The next year, patients writes her first novel, The Sorry Tale A Story of Time of Christ. It's published to rave reviews. In the following year, in 1918, the Joint Committee of Larry Arts New Yorker. New York makes Patience Worth one of his outstanding authors. Now, is this happening? I mean, seriously. Did you read what Monster Radio wrote? No. Hypnosis can be pretty fun. I once saw a friend get hypnotized. He clucked like a chicken and waddling like a duck. Humiliating for him. Amusing in hell as hell for us. <laughs> right? <laughs> But can you can you believe this is happening? A ghost as an outstanding author. Why not? Her poetry, I mean, appears alongside the leading poets of the day, like Amy Lowell and Edna St. Vincent Millay. And I know it seems like a gimmick, but patience is considered real talent. Especially by the literally tastemakers of her time and what the part that impresses them the most is her range the sorry tale takes place in the time of christ but her second novel is published in 1918 as a classic victorian romance presented in a tight 19th century voice And both of those links, I have both of those through Amazon if you're interested in seeing her books or getting her books. They're down in the show notes or be, they will be on shadowsofthemoon.net as of after the show. <laughs> now, in 
So anytime Patience Worth talks in that 17th century dialogue, I mean, to write in a 19th century dialogue is weird, right? Like, I mean, I guess you can understand it. I mean, she's seen, she's a ghost, so she can see how 19th century people talk, but it's still weird. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of difficult to write in that style. Right, yeah. So, but they still can't believe how accurate her word choices are. So obviously, the current household is drawing a bigger and bigger crowd. Guests are coming for buffets of supper. The men smoke cigars and they all play cards. There's cheer- children running around and cheerful. It's that party atmosphere, right? And patience is at top of her game. She's writing and writing and writing, still stopping to chat with everybody and make cheeky, you know, observations about their quirks. And from what I've seen, like, Pearl is still not using the Ouija board. She writes her novels and poems without it. And she speaks, like, straight into Pearl's head. Hey, Spitfire. So it's kind of like, to me, the reading this, hey, Spitfire, is basically like, sorry, I hit the mic. Um, Basically, like, the Ouija board opened her up as a medium. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't think the Ouija board can open you up, but it just gave her the ability. That's what I'm saying. Like, they, she started out on the... She wasn't into this stuff. Emily right. was. Yeah. And it, but like, they, started her out. Patients didn't want to talk to her. Right. She's like, nope. <laughs> so, now, I know this all sounds a little iffy, iffy but few people leave the current household unsatisfied. They actually think they have encountered a miracle. One of those people is Otto Heller. Now, he's the dean of the graduate school at Washington University in St. Louis. After a visit to Pearl's house, he says, quote, I confess myself completely baffled by the experience. The poet Edgar Lee Masters tells one reporter, there is no doubt that she is producing remarkable literature. But how she does it, I cannot say. And of course, there's always skeptics. The more famous patients and Pearl get, the more they're looking to how she's doing it and saying she's fake. One of the most persistent arguments is that she, that they make is this whole thing is a huge opportunity for profit. In other words, they're saying Pearl is pretending to be patients just to make money, except Pearl's not. I mean, she doesn't charge people to talk to patients or listen to her, listening in on her writing sessions. Yes, Patient's stuff is published, but even in the best of times, that doesn't make tons of money. And her husband even 
Her and her husband started a literary magazine to share more of patients, but ended up losing money. Plus, they're paying for all these constant dinner party supplies and stuff out of pocket. So how the hell are, you know, why she's doing this for money? No. (laughs) And Pearl occasionally has to travel outside of St. Louis to do demonstrations. And they pay out of pocket for that, too. I I don't think you can mix it. It's one of them. You can't just sit down and think this shit up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting story. Now, this man named Charles Corey catches wind of patience. And he's ready to solve the mystery for good. Okay. But the thing of it is, he comes out vouching for Pearl and Patience. Charles Corey hears about Patience, and when he starts out, he's just—he's not ready to accept that Patience, Patience is a real ghost, right? He wants to debunk it. Corey is an academic. He is an academic, the chairman of the philosophy department at Washington University. He believes in facts and research. And he's making sure that there's no fraud going on here. He doesn't believe in ghosts or Ouija boards. Now, Corey goes to several of Pearl's sessions to check out the phenomenon for himself. And he's very impressed with what he sees. And he, you know, and like I said, most of their guests leaves the house astonished. It definitely seems like Pearl is channeling something. Still, there has to be some kind of rational explanation. And if he can just study Pearl, Corey's sure he'll figure it out. He wants to know what's actually happening inside her brain. Unfortunately, ever since that Morton Prince guy wanted to hypnotize her, she isn't interested in being studied by anyone. But Corey refuses to be deterred, so he pours over her writing. And supposedly produced by patients and studies all the accounts that he can find on them. In 1919, he publishes his conclusion in the Psychological Review. And you can probably guess it's not very supernatural. In Corey's opinion, it's what's referred today as dissociative identity disorder. And patient's worth is Pearl's alternative self. Now, I get that. I could go with that, right? Except that Pearl is very much present with her sessions with patients. It's not like with dissociative identity disorder, it's usually one personality at a time. You know, that person... And it's weird because I was just watching videos on this the other day. But the one person, oops, sorry, I hit the mic again, um, usually sets in for the other person. So they're not there in the brain together, if that makes sense. So it's not schizophrenia. Right. But like I said, because... Pearl is very much present. Like, she's aware 
and she questions or chimes in her own commentary as pa- when Patience is talking through her. It's definitely more like a conversation between two people. So Pearl doesn't fit the profile of someone with this disorder. There are other things Corey fails to explain, such as this housewife with an average education and no prior writing experience could speak in perfect 17th century dictation, not to mention on multiple occasions, accurately reflecting different times. You would seriously have to do some research and studying and to be able to pull that off if, if people think you're faking it. Right, exactly. I mean, and it's not like this was the 19th century, so it wasn't like it is today where you could go online and study this shit. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) Let me just pull up the archives at the library. Yeah, exactly. Other critics, of course, come up with their own quasi-scientific explanations. Some of them think that Pearl has a type of inherited nerve, basically a talent that's been biologically transmitted to her by her ancestors. Now, come on, that's not a real thing. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know, but I don't know. (laughs) None of these so-called arguments are strong enough to stop patience and her literary momentum inside her decline. It, It starts declining, but it has nothing to do with science or any evidence that Pearl is a fraud. It has nothing to do with the public taste or while patients kept speaking to and through Pearl her entire life. So even after all this died down, it still kept going. See, what's happening, though, is in the 20s, spiritualism was going out of fashion. Everything was changing to heavyweights like F. Scott Fitzgerald. And authors like Patient Worse faded into the background, and Pearl ultimately died in a relatively obscure obscurity in 1937. And when she did go, so did Patient's Worth. But the pair didn't fully disappear because they left behind Patient's books, plus reams of poetry, short stories plays, and witty conversation, which all together amounted to nearly four million words. As long as those words have survived, so has the debate around patience and pearl. So what do you think? Pretty interesting, though, right? It is, and I can understand why some people would think that she's faking it, you know. Right. But if... if how how could they actually say she's doing it for money if they're they're spending out of out of pocket money? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I couldn't find anything on like what her husband did, but I don't think that they had. I mean, they had enough to where they had dinner parties, but I still don't think it was enough to like would do you know do all the research or anything like that on 17th century dictation England in England you know what i mean they now and all that crap yeah sophie's sophie says i believe there is some truth to the story i do too i believe it's more truth than anything i definitely want to get her um sorry tales story 
I mean, the book's only like, I think, $9.99. I don't know. We'll see. But I would love to see. I saw that. <laughs> I would love to see <laughs> how it was. I mean, that's pretty cool to me. I hope you guys enjoyed that story. It was interesting. Yeah. And there's been other, I know, because before I did some research. Let me see if I can, because there is other people that had the same exact, well, not exact, but they had uh, written through them. Like, not auto writing, but just like this with, you know, Pearl and Patience. Well, they, I guess the part that is really confusing, though, is how uh, Pearl's the one that became the medium, and she wasn't even a spiritual one. Right. Exactly. Maybe that's why patients went after her, though. Maybe. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, so I looked up, uh, because, you know, I save every freaking note that I can find. You know, <laughs> That's interesting to me. Um, it wasn't that they were writers. They were artists. So we have, like, Flora Ma Marine Spore. <laughs> the woman, um, this woman went from a, being a female dentist to an occult artist. Not to the mention... Not most common career paths, obviously. Um, but she turned out many paintings inspired by ghosts. Unfortunately, despite a fairly substantial career, none of her paintings seem to have survived or been recorded except the one that's in the photo here. Now, how does that, you know, that don't make any sense. How, none of their paintings survived. No, like they would buy them, like people would buy them and they can't find them. Don't you just find that a little odd? Maybe. I don't know. Um, Here's, hold on, I'll, I'll share so you guys can see the painting. And I'll put this in the group as well, or in the forum at shows of the moon.net. So that's one of her pictures, or one of her paintings. You know, it's weird because of the way how she's standing right there. It looks uh -huh. like it's actually coming out of her head. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like right there? Yeah. Like these are all, you got, You probably can't tell, but these are all people. No, you these really can't. All, you really can't yeah. tell. These are all people and like blackbirds. Well, that it looks like a wing. Or at the bottom of it, anyways. Oh, this part? Yeah, right at the very bottom. See how it looks like yeah. it's feathers? Yeah. I can't tell what these are. It is, Ghost Rider. It's very strange how, you know, people bought them and, and nobody can find any of them. Yeah. That just, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. It is weird. I mean, I it does tell. I know one of the notes that I have does tell of what happened. Hold on, let me try and see. I wasn't prepared to share. 
this stuff, but it reminded me of it. Um, so it says, born in Bay City, Michigan, she attended the University of Michigan School of Dentistry as Flora May, Flora May Spore, then returned home and practiced dentistry for many more years. She was the first female dentist in Bay City, where she employed two assistants and was known for her progressive and excellent work in the day when she fabricated inlays, crowns, bridge work, and dental plates. Um, as a career as a dentist was already remarkable for a woman at the time, but that's not where her story ends. In 1922, Spore's mother died, and Spore experienced a sudden dramatic life change when she said she began receiving psychic messages from her old master artists. This compelled her to dedicate herself to painting. I mean, that's just it. Being the first female dentist to quitting and doing this, I mean, something had to pull her that way. Um, moving to New York City, she left dentistry behind and focused on philanthropy and her painting. 1930, New York Sun article um, about her marriage to financer and Bush terminal builder, Irene Bush, called her the Angel of the Bowery because of her charity work in the Great Depression. Her paintings, called Native and Psychic, and offering often featured birds and surreal images were shown in several New York City galleries shows in the 30s. She, authored, she also authored the memoir, They, which she published in 1947, the year after her, the year after her 1946 death. So her, her she was published a year after she died. Yes. Oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, here's. Hey, Terry. Hi, Terry. Hold on a minute. I got a couple more paintings that I can show you because they have them here. So this is a greetings card, season's greetings card that she did. Hold on. I'll blow it up. She's a beautiful artist. Don't you think? For that time frame, yeah. Beautiful peacock. Yeah, Sophie's right. It's hauntingly beautiful. I know, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so let me see what else I got about her. And I did, I remember because I do have the book day on an ebook, I believe. So, um, do 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 all this stuff. This is the from the book they. 
That's a weird picture or weird painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I, I do remember, um, reading part of the book day because it, it told about how her mother came back to tell her about these stories and that, and then she would write them and then she would get, um, basically, uh, inspiration from it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then there's another one that painted. Now, do you think it'd be the same thing as painting as in writing a book? What do you mean? Um, from the spirit. I'm, I'm confused on what you're asking. Like, it would be the same process. Like, are they putting images into an artist's mind and then the artist draws it? Well, yeah. Just like Patience was doing with Pearl, only literal, like, words. It seems like that's how it would work. Right. I mean, if she's a medium, you know what I mean? Right. I'll put the book, I'll put the link to the book day as well in the, over on shadowsofthemoon.net in the forum. Um, this one is mediumistic art is something we've never heard of until we uncover the mystery world of Mrs. Madge Gill, one of the history's most important outsider artists. Madge tended her garden her husband and her children in what appeared to be the quiet life of a London housewife. But one day she felt a stir to create, and in the darkest hours of the night, she began to draw, and she wasn't alone. Madge declared her artist partnership with an uh, otherworldly companion, a spirit called Myra Nurift. <laughs> Sorry, spirit world, if I pronounce that wrong. Um, as guiding her and giving her ghostly creative bouts. Together, they made an elaborate tapestry of thousands of words from embroidered pieces to tapestries, gothic, arctic, uh, yeah. Architectural, I had to think about that, drawings to kind of an alphabet. History has labeled her heart as obsessive and giddy, ghost-like, and existing in familiar kaleidoscope spaces. Yes. So this is hers. Let me go ahead and pull that up. That's one of hers, I should say. And it's just the words. <laughs> them are words apparently okay and then she did this one weird right <laughs> that almost looks like the north star that looks like the um What's that thing where they all go and touch? Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably not. Over in Jerusalem. 
the where uh where the uh, stone is. I I don't know. I can't think of what it's called. So it says even at a glance, the viewer can tell that this woman with a lot had a lot to get off her chest. For one, she's born a fighter because she was born out of wedlock. And back in the day, of course, that was a no-no. Mad spent her childhood in orphanages that were cold and best. That sucks. So, I mean... Uh, Ryan's asking, is it called the Wailing Wall? Uh, no. I believe it's the rock. There's a rock in the, in the place. That's why they... That's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I don't have a clue. It might be. It might be the Wailing Wall. I'm not sure. But it's... it's. I do know it's... it's they go and touch the wall... And there was a rock inside that nobody's dug out. But I can't remember what the hell the rock is. <laughs> I'm bad when it comes to, you know, <laughs> Christianity. I don't know. Should I tell you? The rock? You might come up with the wrestler. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> In Jerusalem. Dome of the Rock. That's it. What is it? Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock is Islamic shrine located at the Temple Mount in the old city of Jerusalem. Is, and well, it doesn't tell me anything. This is it, though. Maybe. Okay. That's it. No, that ain't it. That's not what I was thinking of. Never mind. There was one that sits on the ground, though. Maybe it is it. I don't know. I just remember from obviously not good memory. <gasps> My stuff is at the post office. <gasps> I got to go to work. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember then. But it's just interesting. Do you think this... I got a question for you guys. Do you think this is a form of... Like, this is what people that can automatic write go through? The Blar No, not the Blarney Stone. You almost had me, Terry. I was ready to go all for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's in England. <laughs> or Scotland, I mean. I was hey, going to say... Wait. Yeah, I know. Never mind. What's okay? Why? I haven't had any coffee except for a couple sips. Wise. And I went bed at two and got up at six. Facts. Actually, I don't know what the hell time you went to bed. <laughs> Someone want to give me a swift? You feel like I feel, Ryan. Someone want to give me a swift kick in the ass? I need to get out to research the area, but I'm so lazy today. <laughs> Believe me, I'm feeling every ounce of that. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, do you think, did you answer my question? What was your question? 
Do you think that's what people get with uh, people that automatic write? What they get? What do you mean? The same as like making a painting or writing a book. Well, yeah, I answered that earlier. Oh. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. How are you? <laughs> Ryan says, someone can throw coffees right into my eyes. This is acceptable. I just think it's interesting. Like, I mean, that whole story with Pearl, it, it I don't know. It just, when I read it, it was just, like, nobody, do you notice back in the day, it seemed like nobody, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know. I didn't live in, you know, that century. But, um. Mm. Are you sure? Well, I could have. <laughs> kind of. I kind of lived in the century because my dad was born in 1914. Right? <laughs> so I kind of lived in that century. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Harry says, I don't think so. Automatic writing is more of a trance thing, isn't it? Yes. Usually, like, when I go into automatic writing not that I do it all the time because I don't know I just I try it and then I stop and then I you know forget about it whatnot but uh I know when it does come through I think it's kind of like Terry I don't know if you get the same way when I as I do but when I read cards I like go into that trance state like I'm in the zone type feeling and, like, that's why I can't remember what the hell I tell people. You turn off your conscious mind. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel when I go into automatic writing. Like, I know there's something or something will come through that's important that I better write down because, you know, we all tell. I tell myself that biggest lie in the world that, you know, don't write it down. You'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Never happens. So, um, so yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. But I've never had the urge to like paint or write a book. Hell, I hate writing. <laughs> so that whole book thing, sorry, spirits, that ain't happening. Hence why she has a computer. That's right. And which I hardly type on because I have the voice thing activated. <laughs> yes, very draining. Eddie will tell you that, <laughs> at least from my perspective. Right, honey? Yeah. I don't like writing either. No, I'm talking about when when I read cards. Oh, that's it's draining. Yeah. I'll pick up a pencil and a piece of paper. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie says my other half would like to get into writing. That would, I mean, it's great. I just can't. It's funny because me and Eddie were actually just discussing this. Like, when I write, I can make you feel the words. It's like having a sharp tongue, but only writing it down. You know what I mean? Well, I know what you mean. I hope you're not asking me if I know what you mean. 
Yeah, I was asking you. You're my co-host, right? Well, why are you asking me? I already know this stuff. <laughs> but when I write down something, it's very, like, from the heart. And very, yep. like, if I'm writing to somebody, it's very, it flows on how I want to word it and everything like that. It's different when I'm typing on a computer or even talking on a computer. It's very weird. It's always been my superpower to get my story across, but superpower. maybe that's what I should do. I should start writing, like, really writing my shows. That Yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah, that that might last one show. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, Mister Mingster. Hey, kid. Oh, you, you actually, he just brought up something, or he didn't bring up something. I brought up something, or I'm going to bring up something. I got excited. Ryan, Ryan, meet Ryan. Ryan is my son. Mister Mingster is my son. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Welcome. Ryan, my son Ryan, Minkster. I, now I'm going to get confused. So, so are the Ryans. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for the ice cream, Nicole. Thank you, Hello, Nicole. Nicole. Um, I found a Mandela effect. And let me see if Ryan can remember. Ryan, what's the favorite? What's my favorite game for me to watch you play? Let's see if he gets this. If he knows his mudda. That's okay, Nicole. You got. I'm glad you guys are here now. Oh, cool. You're watching some archaeological diggings. So I, anyway, I found a, that's awesome. Sorry. My mind is like blown away now because I really wanted Ryan to come in. And, uh, but I found a Mandela effect I had to do with a video game. Apparently Ryan's not going to answer me or he's typing really slow. <laughs> so. Oh, that was a long time ago. He can't remember. See, he does not know his mother. No, I'm joking. He does know me very well. Um, so my favorite game to watch Ryan play. First of all, I always thought it was Kingdom of Hearts. But apparently hey, it's Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts. Hey, Lady Blind Wolf, how you doing, hon? Apparently it's just uh, Kingdom Hearts. Which, that sounds weird to me. Hey, Jake! How are you, hon? Oh, he's welcome, snuck in. Welcome, He did sneak in. <laughs> um, but that's my favorite game to play. Or watch him play. What was I actually... It? Kingdom of Hearts. Well, Kingdom Hearts is now called Kingdom Hearts. But I remember it as Kingdom of Hearts. I knew you, I knew you would know it. <laughs> but... His keyblade, like Sora's keyblade, what did it look like? Because I found a Mandela effect for this, and I don't remember it looking like this. Let me pull up my screen. So I just remember the keyblade, which was a heart 
with the handle inside the heart and like the keys had I can't remember if it was two or three little things on it right the end of like looks like the end of a key with three do you know what I'm saying three things coming out of it yeah it's like an old skeleton key right but it doesn't look like that no more Hold on, I gotta write Flora's Keyblade. Okay, Ryan, do you remember the Keyblade having a crown as the keys? Because I sure the hell don't. That's Sora's Keyblade. Do you remember that? I don't remember those that crown being there. I remember either it was either two keys coming up or three, but I don't remember that thing being there. You, see, Ryan has been affected by the Mandela effect. That's <laughs> freaking awesome. <laughs> I searched everywhere. You see two people, Andy. <laughs> It's a crown because it, um, yeah, I searched everywhere and apparently it all has this crown thing and I don't remember it having that crown. Somebody had posted it on Reddit. There wasn't a crown. See, now there is. <laughs> I even went back. Now, do you was it Kingdom of Hearts or Kingdom of Hearts? Or Kingdom Hearts. Because I remember as Kingdom of Hearts. See, I was looking I have no idea what game you're talking about, so. I love this game. It's where Sora goes and plays with Mickey Mouse and, and Toy Story and Donald Duck and all them. It's freaking awesome. It's a... So I even look back at, like, there is, I mean, it's hard because Sora uses different keyblades. But look, it's got the crown. Just Kingdom Hearts. Okay, that could have been just me putting Kingdom of Hearts in there, but I love watching Ryan play this game. I tried to find it for PC, and I know they have it. But, yeah. So basically, this kid helps Mickey and Goofy defeat all the evil, you know, like the, what some of the evil Disney characters. I can't remember. It's fun. Just put it that way. It's very fun. Don't but, worry, yeah, I'm lost too. I'm so, I'm so... It was just a Mandela effect that I had Diablo, yeah. I would love for you to stream it, Mr. Minkster. I would love for you to stream it because of the fact that I just love that game. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm sorry to put 
you know, I had read that on Reddit and I'm like, oh shit. Ryan needs to come in to the stream because I have to ask him. Because I do not remember the key being that way. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (coughs) I do have some more Mandela effects. Oh, and I have an Alaska one, honey. What is the airline up here? Not Raven. I mean, what is the airline? What are you talking about? That has the name of a state in our state in its airline. The only fucking airline I know is Raven. No, was there not an Alaskan airline? Not that flies out of our town. No, I'm not saying that flies out of our town. But yeah, there's an, I believe it's Alaska Airline. It's Alaskan, right? I don't know. Might be. I remember it being Alaskan Airlines. It's not Alaskan Airlines. It's Alaska Airline. Well, yeah. You ever see it on the commercials? It says Alaska. No, I've always known it as Alaskan Airline. Get your eyes checked. Whatever. <laughs> Rude. Yep. <laughs> now, hold on. Now, now you... You're going to get stuck on this Mandela effect. You better bring up the one we discussed, we talked about yesterday. What did we talk about? Everybody remember the movie Field of Dreams. Oh, yes, yes. What was the saying that Kevin Costner kept hearing? What was the message? Trust me, I got it wrong yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> Carrie, fly the fridge of skies. Fly the fridge of skies. I know, Mr. Mixer, see? Ryan knows. He's like, no way. When we were at the airport, it said Alaskan Airlines. <laughs> it says Alaska. <laughs> oh, my God. Really, Andy? Can't be any worse than the Irish Airlines. Air fungus. <laughs> So let's see how many people remember in the field of dreams, the message was, if you build it, they will come. Correct? Everybody heard that, right? Wrong. Actually, Lady Blind Wolf, I I thought the same thing too. And that's not what, that's not what the message is. The message was, if you build it, he will come. Talking about Kevin Costner's father. I gotta plug yeah. my phone in. Okay. I was trying to find because I had a whole bunch of man. Oh, there it is. So I was looking for body Mandela effects because you've never seen Field of Dreams, Nicole. What is wrong with you? They're coming to get you, Barbara, was the first line I recall, but I could be wrong. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, I I swear to God, because I, I'm like, build it and they will come. Well, I remember thinking 
Well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, the baseball players, yeah, Shoeless Joe Jackson and all that. Hey, Black Dragon, how are you? Welcome, welcome, hon. Hope all is well. Um, I remember thinking that build it, they will come. That's why, thinking all the cars at the end of the movie. I get it now. They will come. Because if you take this chance, all these people will come and pay money to see this football or the baseball field. Right? So that's what I, I got out of it. I remember thinking that back in the day when I first watched it. Heaven Almighty, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. How, how, I, you, how are you getting Evan Almighty out of that? Kevin Costner wasn't even in that movie. No, but that's, he can only think of it. My favorite, my favorite part of uh, not of Evan Almighty, but Bruce Almighty was. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that, that, I cannot get through watching that scene without busting out laughing. Well, how many times do you think they had to redo that though? Steve Carell did such an amazing job, and I don't even like. I am. I'm sorry. I'm going to get a lot of hate. But how you doing, Mike? I'm I'm not a Stephen or a Steve Carroll person. I I yeah. I find him kind of annoying. Yeah, but in that part, man, God, he nailed that. That was just that was just funny. That was the best. I don't care who you are. <laughs> exactly. And then we all know about gremlins because we all grew up with gremlins. Yeah, then the janitor came over. Yeah. <laughs> um, how you know? I remember the head bad guy being Spike in Gremlins, but he's not. It was Stripe. Well, that I I knew. See, I don't remember. I remember being uh, Spike. No. Oh, here's a Minecraft mystery. Ryan would know about Minecraft, too. Says, okay, so, and this is off of Reddit. He said, okay, so I asked a group of my friends if they remembered a long time ago, Minecraft Xbox 360 edition, before wandering traitors were added there was an entity that looked someone like a knight and you were able to trade with this entity it would also be sometimes hostile and it would just roam around the world and go to different villages i first encountered it in a village it looked like a player model and not a villager he wore knight armor and it was not a player My friend, some of my friends recall it and others don't. And I asked many people and no one recalls it. So do you remember that, Ryan? Ryan's a big Minecraft person. But apparently it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense because the head honcho had a stripe. Of white, but I remember it being Spike. So, 
you've never seen it before? Do you remember hearing about it? And you, yeah, you played the crap out of Minecraft. I know. <laughs> Nicole says she bought a, a gremlin doll that, that talked with curse words. That's freaking awesome. That would be oh awesome. Oh my God. I would so love that. You know damn well that, that I'd be playing that thing all the time. No, he never heard of it. Okay. So my theory about Mandela effects, and we're going to start, I believe we're going to start seeing more Mandela effects. And I'll explain the reasoning in a moment. So the first set of Mandela effects that we're experiencing now is I believe the whole thing with the us maybe not dying, but like skipping timelines in 2012. And I believe that's where a lot of the Mandela effects come into play. Um, and this might not make sense to a lot of people, but um, in 2012, we supposedly died, blah, 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 blah. Hey, freaky geek. And all on, that stuff. so I think that something actually did happen to the timeline in 2012. That's why we have Mandela effect. Now, another, the reason we're going through a big shift right now, and we have gone through a big shift, it, maybe I'll do a, uh, Eventually, if you guys want to know uh, or want to know my opinion, <laughs> um, I'll do a show about it. It's up to you guys if you want me to or not. But about a whole show about what's going on right now about Toast and making the grid that was supposed to protect us from UFOs or different alien races, how it came down. It completely got destroyed, or the treaty also has to do with the alien treaty taking effect in 2012. Either way, something big happened in 2012. That's why we're seeing Mandela effect. Second thing is now we're going through to some are we've They've rebuilt the the um, grid to protect us and the timeline. We're supposed to be in one timeline and we haven't been in the timeline for a long time because we were never supposed to have nuclear weapons, basically. Right. So they thrust us into being out of that grid. It thrust us into a the wrong timeline that we're supposed to be in. So now it's fixed. So we're going to have residual things. And I think we're going to have more Mandela effects. Kind of. I believe it. I, I, I believe what Sophie says. I, I believe that we're in the matrix. Right. I believe that wholeheartedly. But that's why, yes, <laughs> we're really close to other dimensions. Yes, definitely. Um, And I believe that. There's just a lot going on right now, <laughs> obviously, in the world. Um, but that's why the UFOs have shut down our nukes or and shut down other people's nukes. And we're not supposed to have them. Because, again, I'll state this again. I stated this a long time ago that if we, yes, if we kill us, we kill us, right? But we're not only affecting us. We're affecting our whole galaxy, 
if a nuke was to go off. So it fucks with them, too. Does that make sense? Well, of course. So... It'll cause a ripple effect. Right, exactly. So... Yeah, it has a lot to do with that. If you guys are interested, I could always do a show on it. Um, but yes, Terry, I, I agree. We are, yeah, our dimensions are closing or getting closer. We're able to move through them. We're, um, our frequency is going up, which means, you know, more people. Oh, and I got pissed the other day. You can ask, I know I'm jumping topic, but. Um, I, I got pissed at the news the other day because usually my boss has news on if football and soccer is not on, news is on. <laughs> or the weather channel with all the news scrolling it, right? And I happen to go upstairs and see this where it says more suicidal rates because of people being awake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I was so pissed when I read that on it was on one what is it one new world one news world yeah is that what it is yeah one news and I was just like and they made it as a statement and I was just like what (laughs) again you know Ron Ron wants to know if the aliens are cute I've heard that there's some sexy aliens out there. Watch. A Mercer is going to come in. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be like, yeah, we're sexy and we know it. (laughs) It is wrong, Freaky Geek. It is wrong. I was so pissed. I was so mad. But yeah, you're right, though, Nicole. I mean, it is like a traffic jam with spirits. And, like, you can feel some, at least I can, most of us can feel something going on. But it has to do with, like, people are seeing, like, I don't know, just different things going on. <laughs> yes, I'm too sexy for my spaceship. Two seconds. <laughs> Love it, Terry. You're not talking about the ones at Wally World? Then I don't know. <laughs> there you go, Nicole. She's like, I've been channeling for two days. I need a secretary. <laughs> well, there you go. See, you missed my first story. She would have been perfect for Pearl and Patience. Not Bobby and what was the other one? Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> now we got Pearl and Patience. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been right up your alley. But I believe, I honestly, I've been watching and studying and and just, you know, casually hanging back and and doing my thing of watching the world and I believe (laughs) I believe that yeah things are happening and we're going to see more and more 
more and more Mandela effect. I really oh, yeah. do. Ron, Ron Nicole, Ron gifted Nicole two months sub. Thank you. Oh, it's not. I don't know why. Hold on, let me go over to. It might show up on the next. Let me wait a minute. Let me do this. Hold on one sec. It might. Well, it should have. The notifications should have came up. Let me see. Browser. I forgot what browser it is. I usually write it. Subscroll. There we go. Let's do this. And where's my refresh? It's been a while since I did this. Hold on. Properties. Refresh. No, that's weird. Hey, Skook. Hey, Skooks. There we go. Um, yeah, DLive has been screwing up lately, so maybe, but I would make sure... And check if you actually got charged for it. And maybe even write them. Or I can write them. I It's up to you. Um, but yeah, I don't... That's weird. It did take it out of your account. Because I know that, like, the chest I can't open up yet. It's been down... For a couple days. Let me go over there and see if I can see it at all. I think when they do that whole Merry Christmas thing, it screws it up. Yeah, the chest still isn't there for me. Damn chest. I know. Let me... Ch Thank you for the diamond. Thank you, Freaky Geek. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's not even showing me my subs. That's so I got, weird. I got to meet for a minute. Okay. Excuse me. I'm trying to get ready for work. Okay. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Mandela effects and yes, did I heard the sound. Did you make a sound? Or did you hear the sound? I mean, not that you made a sound. <laughs> not leaving just yet. Just trying to get ready. Hey, Blue. Hey, Blue. How you doing? I have coffee. I'll share. If you like cream and sugar. No sound. All right. I'll have to fix that, too. I heard it. It scared me. <laughs> All right, you ready for some ghostly encounters now that we um have talked about the whole Mandela effect? So the first one is called The Black-Eyed Kids in the Woods. 
A young woman and her boyfriend both experienced a similar dream that resolved around a mysterious house and a barn that once stood in the woods behind her house. It's very creepy. It says, I live in a small house and behind me is woods with an abandoned pool, barn, and a slab of concrete where the house was built. Before I got into my get into my story, there's a few things you need to know about this land. First, the house that was on the concrete was demolished in one day. When we asked our neighbor about it, he told us one day the final the family was there and then next they were gone and the house was gone. Almost like they packed up and left overnight. Second, in the barn there is two names written, Jenna and Jenny both with the same date of 1997. Third, there is an old lawn chair sitting in the middle of the woods with only a small amount layer of leaves. If you think about it, by now, those leaves would have been piled on the chair, not just a small pile. Also, the metal isn't rusted at all. With all this being said, yes, we have had strange encounters, but nothing like the dream I had last night. It started with my boyfriend and I walking out into the woods. We kept hearing things and noticed that we were being followed. After we got out, a little girl appeared wearing a white but older dress. Her hair was in a knot, or her hair was knotted, like she had been in the woods for a long time. And the color in her eyes were black, almost like her pupils had taken over. I turned around and asked, are you okay? And she reached out and touched me. I instantly went into a flashback, but not mine. It was hers. There was a couple, no later than their thirties, crying hysterically while a group of six to seven children, all with black eyes around the ages of six to 16, were around them. A little boy around the age of eight or nine, with dirty overalls on and a shirt, spoke up and said, You are on our land. This is our land. We told you to leave. Then he picks up an axe and chops the girl's arm off. And she fell to the ground, screaming, as all the kids started to stick their hatchets in her back. I wanted to scream stop, but I was only frozen. I couldn't speak. Yeah, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak, blink, or move. Then they proceeded to grab the boy, tying him to the ground. Then suddenly... I was back in the opening of the woods, and the girl stood there. I ran inside and kept peeking out. She was still there, watching, but not going any farther than the opening in the woods. When I finally woke up, I told my boyfriend, and he was in complete shock. I asked him what's wrong, and he said he had a dream that he was being chased through the woods, but didn't know by what. I'm dealing with something a lot more serious than normal, and I have a feeling they're not going away. L. Crazy, right? What was the two names in the barn? Jessica and Jennifer. So you got Jessica and Jennifer. You got Patience and, and Pearl and Bobby and Bruce. Yeah, they're all there. <laughs> <laughs> The next encounter comes from Ellen. It's called Black Eyed Boys Follow and Frighten a Woman in Lisbon, Northern Ireland. An Irish woman encountered two black eyed boys near her flat in Lisbon, North Ireland. 
The boys followed her home, continuously knocking on her door and requested to come in and use her telephone. She said, it was warm the night that Karis Holdsworth walked into her apartment from a friend's house in Lisbon, a city of 71,465 in Northern Ireland near Belfast. The then 18-year-old Holdsworth didn't know terror, what terror awaited for her at home. It was about 10.45, she said, the night of 2009. I was only 18 and had a small flat in a very rough part of the neighborhood. That's why it unsettled me when I saw two boys standing in my small patch of grass, which I called my yard. The boys, one about 16 years old and the other about 13 or 14, stood with their backs to me. I edged around the corner and as if they knew I was there, they both turned around to face me at the same time. And they were merely boys. As the teenagers turned to face her, she felt more than unsettled. I felt raw fear when I laid my eyes on them. Holdsworth said she stopped a few yards from them, a fist in her handbag wrapped around a, a tin of pepper spray. I was ready to defend myself if one of them made any sudden movements, she said. But they didn't. They seemed to know what she was thinking. No need for that, the older one spoke. We just want to borrow your phone, miss. Her knuckles began to turn white as her grip tightened in the pepper spray. They looked like any other teenagers around these parts, she said. Hoodie, jeans, grubby trainers, running shoes. But while the older one spoke, I zeroed down at his eyes. They were pitch black. No trace of white or pupil at all. Further depths of terror rushed through me. I made a silent gasp, and it was as if I was in terrible danger that I had to get away. My heart rate went off. Hey. All of a sudden, yeah. I got to go. All right, honey. Have a good day. All right. Love you. Love you guys. I love you. Text me. I will. Okay, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. All she knew at that moment is that she had to get inside her apartment. I didn't know exactly what to do, so I marched towards my flat door, ignoring the two boys. I failed around in my bag, trying to find my keys. Please, miss, the younger boy said from behind her. My, my mother won't be happy if she doesn't know where we are. Something pulled at her mind to let them in, to help them. I wanted to obey them at first, considering that they were young. But seeing their eyes took me away. I just had to get away from them both. And I knew if I obeyed them, I was going to seriously regret it. No, I, I, she goes, I couldn't get my words out. My hands hit my keys and I swiftly opened my door and slid in. My heart was banging against my chest. Shaking, Holdsworth fixed a cup of coffee, sat on the sofa in their living room, turned on the television and tried to calm down. I didn't bother to check if they were still there in case I stared into those soulless eyes again, she said. A knock sounded at her front door. I ignored it. It knocked again. I felt in real danger. She stood and paddled it, padded to the front door. Everything was silent for one second, two, 
three. Then knuckles on the door as the door wrapped in three loud knocks. It scared me, making me jump back a few steps. I was grateful that my door was completely made of wood. And I looked through the peephole and almost died. The boys' faces filled the peephole, both of them, staring at me with those pitch black eyes, she said. The horrid feeling of dread completely overwhelmed me. Miss, we won't hurt you, we promise, said one of the boys. Angrily, momentably overwhelmed, Holdsworth fear, and she threw open the door. The door. The boys stood in the doorway, grinning at her. What do you want? she demanded. We want to use your phone, the older one said. No, she yelled. Just let us in to use the phone. We won't hurt you. We have no weapons to hurt you. Get away from my flat, she shouted, and then slammed the door in their faces. Safely behind her solid wooden door, Holdsworth looked back through the peephole. The boys still stood there, but they were no longer smiling. That feeling of utter terror and danger ran through me, she said. She went through her apartment, made sure every door and every window was locked, then picked up a telephone. I called my friend to come over um, that it was an emergency and I needed her help. She said, calling her friend other than the police because she didn't want to draw attention to her apartment. When Holdsworth's friend arrived about 10 minutes later, she said, when I opened the door, I couldn't help but hug her. She told me that two boys were standing in my yard, but they left once she arrived. She said they made her feel in danger. Holdsworth has since moved to a different neighborhood, but the terror of that night of the black-eyed kids stays with her. I always check through the peephole before I go to sleep. I don't know exactly what the, those boys were, but I do know that they did mean me harm and that they weren't human in any way. I still get scared thinking about it. L. Crazy, right? I don't know. what I think black-eyed children give you the same feeling as men in black. Now, what they are I don't know. <laughs> but that's how I, I mean, welcome back, Freaky Geek. Sorry, I'm scrolling up to see everybody's comments. Um, I definitely, I definitely feel like they're one in the same feeling, that just that dreaded fear, that raw emotion. Hybrids? Could be. That's true, Freaky Geek. I never thought of that. Freaky Geek says the black-eyed kids could be the younger version of MIB. You never know. Well, it's funny because Wednesday we'll be talking about Valiant Thor. So we'll see what he has to say about MIB. It's going to be an interesting show as well. And I can't wait for that. 
And if you don't know who Valiant Thor is, if you're into aliens and government and all that good stuff, and the Griotta Treaty, which happens to do with Eisenhower and the aliens, Valiant Thor. That's who, Andy. <laughs> it's going to be a interesting show. But he was known to Vale as, as many of his friends knew him. I know. Men in baby. <laughs> men in black having babies? That's very weird. That is very weird to think about. Terry and Hale, they're most, they're almost as bad as Girl Scouts in cookie season. <laughs> That's hilarious. Definitely freaky. No, not Crater Lake Thor. I don't know. Did he? He might, might, maybe. I don't know. Now I gotta look that up. See, you guys put weird shit in the in the chat, and then I gotta look up. We'll see. Hold on. No. Oh, that scared me. So you guys didn't hear it, but that scared me. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole, for the lemons. You've never heard of Valiant Thor? Yes, right, Andy. Andy says there's no such thing as aliens. The government told us so, and they'd never lie to the public. That is true, Freaky Geek. That is true. Better in your chat than in your food. That's true. I would, I'm sure I wouldn't like weird shit in my food. Nice, Skook. Thank you, Freaky Geek, for the lemons. Skook says, in meeting a lot of new people, energies finally shifting for the better. The planet alignment, eclipse, and solstice was much was too much at one time. It was crazy, but you know what? The new year starts on a new moon, which is freaking awesome. You're not Thor, Andy. Black-eyed kids grow up to be politicians. That could be possibly true. No lie there. <laughs> That's why you get that freaky sensation. You know? Yes, manifesting new things. All right, so the next encounter we have it comes from Z, and it's called... Pet's cat reaction to black-eyed kids may have saved the day. Since this happened in Pocatello, Idaho, around 11 p.m. in the evening of April 2011. I know it was a while ago. I know it was a while ago, but it's still very fresh in her mind. Since I was away on business and she was home alone with our cat, Napoleon, at our apartment complex, she said she had that she was reading and all at once Napoleon began meowing loudly and ran into the bedroom. He had never acted like that before. So she assumed it was just another weird thing that cats did. 
<laughs> Just as she got comfortable again, the doorbell rang. She thought it was strange that someone would want to visit at that time of night, since most of our friends were probably home and getting ready for bed themselves. She got up and peeked through the hole, but saw nothing. So she shrugged her shoulders, turned away from the door, then somebody knocked very loudly. Then she got goosebumps on her arms, but curiosity got the best of her and she opened the door a crack to see who it was. She saw a male child around 10 or 11 standing there. She opened the door and asked what he wanted. There are other apartments around us and she assumed that this child had either gotten locked out or was asking for help. That's when she noticed his eyes. She said the light spilled out into the hall but that his eyes were completely black. She said that she was frozen to the spot as the child asked to be let in. That was when the cat had come out of the bedroom and laid out on the floor, ears laid flat and hissing. She said she was drawn to say yes, but as she stared into those black dead eyes, she suddenly slammed the door and quickly bolted it. She said she listened for the child's footsteps to walk away, but heard nothing. After a few heart-stopping moments, she risked a look outside, and the child had disappeared. She said she had never been so frightened in her life. She credited Napoleon for breaking her paralysis, because if he had not started hissing, she wasn't sure she'd been able to not tell the child not to enter their apartment. And I tend to agree. Z. Well, that's right. If somebody knocks on our door, Andy, I'm going to answer it. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, my God. Andy, you're a crock wearer. I have lost a lot of respect for you. That's right, John Constantine, one of my favorites. Although I haven't watched that movie. That's crazy. Now, there have been reports of black-eyed children for a very, very long time, right? Now, the men in black, from what I read, at least they've changed it up a bit. There are stories where they're starting to dress differently and stuff like that. I don't know if it's the same creature. I haven't done a lot of research on the new men in black. Um, hey, redheaded stepchild, what is up? How have you been, hon? How you doing? Now, from what I've read, the new men in black, like I said, is, is starting to come around. They're trying to dress more appropriately, I guess, which took them a long while, if that's the case. Um, like I said, I haven't done much research, but I've read a couple places. 
Um, but so I don't know if these are different men and be, you know, MIBs or if it's the same ones trying to act different. Yeah, yeah, they're trying, they're catching up with the style of dress, how they dress. Hey, Giggle Pickles, how are you? I did. I hope you had a great Christmas as well, all of you. Definitely. I haven't seen some of you, so that's good to hear, Red. Doing okay. That's good to hear. But, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, do you think the black-eyed children are going to start doing that? <laughs> I mean, they really don't dress. It's They can't hide their black eyes. So I wonder if why they can't, like, wear sunglasses at night or something. Take after Corey Hart, man. I mean, there's really nothing that they can do that take away that creepiness. It's when you see their eyes. And you notice that they're black, all black. That you get freaked out. I don't know. Our last encounter comes from H.S. And it's called Black-Eyed Kids Approaches Witness Asking for Help. It goes like this. A woman notices a young boy walking around the neighborhood in bare feet. He later approached her and asked if she wants to help. If she asks that she help him find another boy, then she notices the black eyes. And I found this count very, very creepy. She says, first of all, some backstory. My mom, my, my mom and I are both firm believers in all things paranormal. We know the stories of black-eyed children very well. Two kids with no emotions and a black shadowy faces asking to come inside or use the phone, grab something to eat, or even ask you for just simple help. But if you help, bad things will happen. We are believers, but of course, we never thought neither of us would actually encounter something like this. So she goes on, on Friday night, my mom got home late from work. There was a meeting about her work staying open during quarantine, so she didn't get out of the house or get to the house till around 7.30 or so. After pulling up in the front of the house, she noticed a kid walking down our street. Now, my neighborhood doesn't really have younger kids at all, mainly just us teenagers, so my mom found the kid walking kind of strange. She even says that to my dad, who's on the phone with her, and he jokes about the kids jumping up on our car to scare her. You know, typical dad trying to be funny. <laughs> then just as fast as he was in front of her, just as fast he was in front of her and moving to her, he was gone down the road. So just as fast as he came into view and was there, he was already down the road and going around the corner. So 20 minutes go by before my mom hangs up the phone and steps out of the car. From behind her, she hears a child like, excuse me. And I don't know why when I read these stories, when I do the black eyed kids' voices, I feel like I, <laughs> I get this image of Tiny Tim in my head for some reason. But anyway, 
Maybe because it's like, excuse me, Scrooge. I don't know. But after dropping her purse and screaming, she looks at the kid who she notices is the same boy who disappeared around the corner almost a half an hour before. Immediately, she told us that she has this overwhelming feeling of pure fear run through her entire body. She stares down this boy and notes that she can't see his face at all because his hood and shadows from the street lamp behind him and that he has no shoes on. Now, it's 8 p.m. on a Friday night after staying at home, uh, staying at home order is in effect. And here's this little boy running around barefoot in just shorts and a hoodie. It was like he was trying to dress like a regular person, but he barely missed the mark. Right, Freaky Geek? Yes, please, sir. Can I have some more? (laughs) This boy had his head down, and he asked his mom if she'd seen another little boy, and that he couldn't find him anywhere, meaning he was one of a pair. My mom, who has three kids and is one of the most genuinely kind-hearted people I know, had no urge whatsoever to help this child in front of her or had any kind of sympathy for his situation, which I could understand. I'd be the same. She just felt wrong. Like there was nothing, there was something off and she needed to leave. And in her head, her only thought was that she needed to run up our porch and get inside. However, what came out of her mouth was completely different. She's t- <laughs> she tells this little boy, No, I haven't, honey. Where did you lose him? I can help you look. Every part of her was telling her to leave and that this was wrong. But yet, she offered to help. It's like the children knew she thought something was off. Because right at that moment of her thinking that, a second boy in the distance screamed. And of course my mom jumped and her fear spiked, but the boy who was eerily calm, who was standing there was eerily calm and still. He looked at her and suddenly noticed, she noticed the black eyes. In a monotone voice, the boy said, oh, there he is turned in the opposite direction and ran up our street, then turned left and was gone. H.S. That's crazy. (laughs) This freaking boy screams out of the darkness, and he's like, oh, there he is. What the hell is that? Like, I'd like to know how he screamed. Like, was I mean, you know freaking awesome that's freaking awesome (laughs) that's just crazy what do you guys think Now, I have a friend that has such blue eyes that the, the not the irises, but the white is blue. 
and yeah, Nicole, there is that. Um, she says, where is it? There is an eye disorder known as, I'm not going to try and say it, which makes the eye appear to have no iris. And in truth, there is a small ring of iris tissue, but it's so small and the pupil is so large that it can look like the eyes are completely bad completely black it's monday i still can't talk it's due to a chromosome mutation crazy is good <laughs> that's right green are way better yes mr meester has hazel eyes with the long eyelashes that all the girlies love crazy right and he says still think that anyone who gets a bad feeling prior to opening the door but they still open it anyways is either whack or way too nosy nosy <laughs> i'm the latter i'm way too nosy i watch everything excuse says my number two son has green eyes Yeah, I just, I'm just nosy. Oh, that's wild, Scoot. They didn't finish changing to green until his 20s. Nope, Ryan was, well, of course, you know, all babies are mostly born with blue eyes. But his change, his went to Hazel. He's got his nanny's eyes. Those were my mom's eyes. That's where they came from. My oldest got my dad's eyes, which is bullshit. Now I ended up with brown eyes. My mom had hazel eyes. My dad had five star eyes. They changed with his moods, which my oldest daughter has that. And I got freaking brown eyes. Brian got my mom's eyes. Taylor got my dad's eyes. Danielle got, I can't tell if she got my eyes or dad's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when the sun hits him. Yeah, that's true. His eyes shine. It's bullshit. I got brown eyes. And my youngest daughter, Danielle. Well, you guys know her. Well, I forget what her name's on here now. <laughs> Danielle's done. Candela, Daniela. I don't know. But uh, she's got eyes that when her eyes hit the sun, they're almost like, is it maple leaves that are purple? That have that purplish? That's what her, it's like, um, it's not really purple. It's like maroon. Kind of. Maroon with a purple in there. She's got really funky brown eyes. Can one of you guys get that? Or uh, Oh, well, I can get it. Duh. Never mind. Thank you, whoever got it. Somebody says unhide user. Thank you, Nicole. Now they're going back and forth. <laughs> Is that what it is? Is it amber brown? 
Yeah, it's a very odd color. But I think I have the, yeah, their dad, the kids' dad has a very dark, dark brown eyes. I have the lighter brown eyes. So it's really weird. Of course, Ryan was also born with blonde hair. So, you know, <laughs> it's not blonde anymore. But it was. He had, like, bleach blonde hair when he was younger. And a mullet. <laughs> That's how Ryan is. Ryan's, he's got green, his hazel is green eyes, but it's got brown specks in it. It's more green than brown. Or they're more green than brown. <laughs> his one eye is more green than brown. <laughs> But it's those lashes. <laughs> I used to have those lashes. <laughs> I just cut my hair again. It's getting ready. I'm waiting because I have my dye on the way from Amazon. Because, you know, grayness up here. And then I have my box of red that I'm going to do chunks. Someday. Someday it'll happen. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it is that time. That concludes today's show. I want to say a special thank you to LZ and HS for sharing their stories. And of course, hey, Savannah's not lame. She's very pretty. She's very pretty. <laughs> she just has brown hair and brown eyes. I love that, Ron. Did she have the blue with the blue, like it was a blue haze and the white? What was, was a badger stripe? <laughs> yes, but Briella, have you noticed, Ryan? Did I bring it up before? I might have because I'm excited about it. That Briella looks like she's got the wonky eyes. I have passed all the wonky eyes to my children. All of my children have wonky eyes, like mine. One almond, one regular. I don't know which is which. But Briella has the wonky eyes. If anything, I gave her the wonky eyes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have a friend like that, Ron, that has you, the, the mention of the dark blue ring. That's that's how hers is, but the whites are like having a shade of blue. So wild. Especially when she goes back to her natural hair color of dark, like she had the black, black hair with the blue eyes and they stuck out. Shut up, Nicole. Wonder what color eyes does centipedes have? I don't want to know.
Hey, we like our wonky eyes. Well, I like my wonky eyes. It sucks being a female and trying to do eyeliner and make it match. I told Danielle that because she's, you know, does cosplay in that. So I, I told her all about that. It's a bitch to do eyeliner <laughs> when you have wonky eyes. That's awesome, Black Dragon. So I have blue eyes with black ring around them. Yes, I think I think Fluky does need cookies because Nicole mentioned centipedes. Fluky needs cookies. <laughs> Thank you everybody for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. I can't give you lemons, I'm sorry. But I do want to say if you have a story, no matter how small or how big, head on over to shadowsofthemoon.net forward slash podcast. You can either leave me a message or you can leave me a voicemail. And we'll put it, we'll play it live on air. If you want to remain anonymous, just let me know. I'll definitely do that. Um, or you can head over to the forum boards at shadowsofthemoon.net forward slash forum. And, uh, yeah, put the story there if you want to share with everybody. Either way, whatever you feel comfortable, I would love to hear your stories. Tomorrow, of course, is Tarot Tuesday, Coffee and Cards. And I've done a little thing. If you can't make the Tarot Card Show, um... I have made a little space in my forum boards over at shadowsofthemoon.net to where if you have a question or want a general reading, leave a message there and I'll make videos. Because I know everybody, it's hard for, you know, show times. I hear all the time, you know, I'm sorry I missed your show. I really wanted a question and I'll gladly do that. Or if you would rather email me a question or a general reading, if you want a general reading. It's all going to happen on Tuesdays because um, I have other stuff going on different days, but obviously. But uh, if you want to do it that way, you can do it that way as well. It's up to you. I got my sunstone. Is it a... a Viking sunstone? I have my Viking sunstone. It's over there on the, on my bookshelf. <laughs> I couldn't think of what it's called. So, yeah. When I go over there, you can. If not, that's cool, too. But make sure you, you know, I'm, remember, I'm on YouTube, DLive, Facebook, Twitch. Sometimes Twitter. I don't think that works anymore, but I don't know. Um, and remember, be here early for Tarot Tuesday if you're going to be in a show because that fills up quick. Although it might not because I haven't been going live in a while. Um, again, if you're looking for the Patience Worth books, the links are down in the description or, and they will be over on the forum. Uh, if you would like to check them out, pretty cool. I hope you, again, Enjoyed today's show. 
and uh, I will see you tomorrow. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Thank you to my podcasters that keep me alive over there. And, you know, if you can't make the live shows, remember, I do these all go up on podcasts through Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, all of them, anchor.fm. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys. Thank you guys for hanging out. I love it. I love it. I love it. Good to see some new faces in here that haven't been in here in a while. I'm glad you guys are doing well. I, I still follow you. And I still watch over on t- Twitter. I almost said Twitch. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I hope you have a rocking day. At least a rocking rest of your day. Because it is 4 o'clock on the East Coast time. And uh, which is noon here. I'm ready to go eat some lunch, actually breakfast. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you guys. Thank you for hanging and be safe. Take care. And remember, find something today that makes you smile with your eyes. Love you guys. See you tomorrow.